opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. podcast begins for this Saturday night, December 18th, 2021, presented by Anime North. This is episode 56 of the Anime Roundtable Canada. Good evening from Six Points, 10 minutes south of the Anime North compound in the Toronto West End. Mike Nicholas with you, joined online by James Austin, Kevin Ng, and Mohamed Shamarki. Jeff Gregg has decided to be part of the audience tonight and will not be joining us. Hope you're enjoying this, Jeff. A quick reminder, you can reach out and strangle us. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com is our email address. We're on Twitter and Instagram at AnimeRoundtable. AnimeRoundtable.com is our website with show notes and past episodes. And a reminder now on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash AnimeRoundtable. And we're on YouTube as well. More stuff coming soon there. I don't know, Mike. Uh, I don't want to be strangled. You can keep your strangling fetish to yourself. <laughs> Makes yeah. us worried about our virtual uh, reality future and stuff like that, or those all virtual I, games, right? You know, the, the well, PlayStation and that. <laughs> you know, all I know about it at this point is our virtual reality uh, could continue just a little bit longer. More on that in a few seconds. It's scary enough with uh, Resident Evil uh, 7. Well, that, well, yeah, that too. Oh, that is a fun game to play in VR. That was I like say. the funnest one because all the other ones I've tried feel more concept like when I tried it for PlayStation and other uh, areas as well. So. Hmm. Has anyone checked out the new movie? Oh, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you checked it out a couple times, right? Oh, no, I'm talking about Resident Evil, the new Resident Evil movie that came out. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty good, man. You know, so did, well, I did, know you, did you like the camp? Uh, Mo, because they said it was camp in a good way because they were obviously trying to go after similar to what the games field felt like. Oh, really? It's like, a shop, it's like a shop for shot. Set in the 90s, a lot of 90s stuff. I liked it. I always feel like those Resident Evil movies are kind of like hit and miss. Like you're oh, you're no. watching it because you just want to be entertained. Oh, 100%. But I, I, like those don't really count as Resident Evil movies. They're more like you know, inspired by Resident Evil, this was just like, hey, let's just take the plot of Resident Evil 1 and 2 and make a movie out of it. And that's all they did. Yeah, like, they were going after the video games and the minutia of it, and I think Victor Lucas from Electric Playground had some good words on stuff like that, that it wasn't like it's this is a big blockbuster or anything like that. It's like, this is a cheesy movie, you're gonna sit down, you're gonna have some popcorn, if you like the games, you'll enjoy it, and sort of thing, you know what I mean? So... It's one of those put your brain away type things. And it's not like the CGI or any of the effects or stuff like that is going to blow your brains out or anything like that. Like, I think they said they had them for certain things, I guess, the liquors and I guess the dogs and stuff like that. And probably some of the zombies and the iconic zombie turning scene and a few other things. The real question, though, is this, Mo. Was there a Jill sandwich in the movie? (laughs) A Jill sandwich? (laughs) That's funny. What does that even mean? 
James. Wow, that uh, that's this is a really long explanation. Uh, that makes me think of um, Glass Reflection, where he made a thing like a reference to something way back, and then he's like, "Wow, my audience was so confused about what was going on because they're so much younger now." And that was anime cabbage. If I said anime cabbage, do you think you know what I mean? And he said about anime cabbage can't look back. Sorry, can't look bad since the mid two thousands or something like that. Mm. So it was that one mid two thousands anime? Now I forget the name of it, but I remember it was like a green ball, and it was the TV version. And they're cutting it, and it looks nothing like a cabbage. Now this is way over my head. But yeah, Jill Sandwich was um, Jill Valentine, Resident Evil 1, and I think she was going to be crushed, and I think Barry saved her, and she's like, oh my god, I or no, it was Barry himself that said you almost became a Jill Sandwich. So <laughs> it just became a thing after that. Okay, there's the reference. Okay, well, we, we can talk more video games and other stuff a bit later. James. First appearance since you missed out on episode 55. You had a, a couple other things to do. You've heard the episode, right? Correct. Any thoughts? Or is there really not much else to add to it? Uh, like for Cowboy Bebop and for the update on Totally Not Mark's uh, channel, I'd say it was where I was at too for a lot of those things. And I think we've uh, closed the circle on those. Uh, I saw that Kevin made some comments i think it wasn't our uh, live appearance but it was i guess the space heater we might have done before then we had talked about about some of the uh, announcements and yeah tokyo revengers was kind of an interesting thing how it played out to say the least but i'm not surprised on that one kevin and i think some of it is probably might be what uh, some on those discord we're uh, thinking in on social media, but I think some of it too is the length of that series is still yep. pretty lengthy. It's almost Space Brothers level, so that's why I think they went digital first. And even with the rise in popularity, still, if they're asking for more, it's going to be tough to get that asking thing. And I think if someone wants to take a, gut, a run at it, it's like, sure, go for it. And Seven Seas has been game to go after stuff from Kodansha we've seen recently and in the past. And as well, they've went to uh, Shueisha and stuff like that to get some of their series and some of the stuff they don't usually do. And some of them I know have been on Ghost uh, Ship for some of the Shueisha stuff. That's more, I guess, raunchy in a way. I'll say that uh, Tokyo Revengers is not quite Space Brothers length. Uh, It's 24 volumes and counting. It's getting longer, yes. Uh, it's yeah. I'd say it's twenty four volumes and counting. It's so I I looked it up a little bit today. So, Kodansha Comics USA licensed Tokyo Revengers for digital release back in two thousand and eighteen. So, how many was it back then? Then that's the question, I guess. Uh, I believe Tokyo Revengers debuted in two thousand fifteen, if my memory is correct so but it is in weekly shonen magazine so it definitely would have probably been like in the t te- it would have probably been like 12 maybe 12 13 volumes by that point in japan give or take 
So yeah, I guess you're right. It would be less than, say, for example, what Space Brothers was at, because that was in uh, the early 20s, I think, or just at around volume 20. But yeah, basically, the it's the it's it's like how Bandai was. I know I said this already in the last episode, but the cost of the license back then versus the cost of the license now is was too different and too expensive for them to justify the cost is what i suspect and the other thing is yeah with the omnibus it's not always a guarantee that they'll get caught up in stuff like that it's like it has to be a home run almost that they're gonna go and do it like we saw with example uh demon slayer yeah Mm. but the other thing i forgot to mention remember when we were looking at the new york uh anime convention and it was funny kodansha actually was the one and it was buried under some of their announcements but they announced some box sets it's always interesting to see the box sets and for the two they announced it's kind of nice to see some offbeat box sets for the holidays so it's like i guess holiday 2022 they're going to do a box set of wotakoi and uh, sweat and soap and yeah. both of those like sweat and soap's going to finish up next month and then Wodakoi is going to finish end of May, but they're going to then have box sets for those in December, I guess, of next year, which is kind of a nice thing uh, for someone to check out, like for a different uh, genre, so to speak, is usually well, you yeah. think of them more for Shonen Jump and that, right? Like more popular stuff. Well, I was thinking that for Wodakoi. Remember, I, I mean, I was a fan of that, so. I imagine Wodakoi does very well for them because that series is very well stocked at the different Indigos that I've frequented recently hmm yeah well then i'll order the box and somehow the at indigo and then somewhere along the line it gets canceled on me not that i'm bitter didn't that get reinstated though that's another it's another it's a long story all all i can say mike is when that happens with indigo you this got to go back to customer service because Sometimes the algorithm there just does weird things where it'll cancel something. And it's like it just came into stock, and you're like, "Can you help me out?" And usually they'll help you out for the original. Actually, place. that's true. They 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 said, and they said they will. Anyway, okay. Uh, since we've uh, talked at length about Kodansha over the last oh couple minutes, is there anything else to add? First of all, they did announced re-releases of Noise by Sutomo Nihei, as well as, I think they did re-license No Longer Human, or they, so those have been out of print for quite a while too, especially Noise, so it's nice to see those come back in print. I saw a few digital-only ones they said are going to come out uh, for physical, and one of them was uh, older title and stuff like that. Uh, I think it was a Hormon guy or something like that, and I can't remember the name of it now, but that was supposedly coming later on. So it's good they're actually going back to some of their digital uh, bat catalog. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Let's change the order up since we're, we've talked at length about Kodansha already, and I need a tie-in anyway. So we'll get to the other stuff a bit later on, or the next thing I was... That excellent, was excellent segue, Mike. You know where I'm going? I don't know. You know. Are we going to talk about Love Hina for the next hour or something? <laughs> I hope not the next hour. And, and it's more specific, uh, of course, 
not necessarily Lavina itself, but its author. And yeah, there's the there's the Kodansha tie-in. Kanakamatsu made a little bit of news earlier this week. Aims to run for the upper house of the Japanese diet, so he looks he's looking to get into politics. Aiming the to run counselors, huh? The, house of, the upper house is the is known as the House of Counselors in the Japanese Diet. He'll run as a member of the ruling Liberal Democratic Party. Apparently, in elections to happen next summer. And his goal, according to reports, at least Anime News Network, the way they term it, his goal in running for Japan's legislature is to protect freedom of expression. Election Chairman Toshiaki Endo confirmed Akumatsu's intention to run. Uh, which was nine days ago, December 9th. And the party is currently in the selection process. This was reported by Kyoto News. And we'll probably hear more about that in the coming week. So that's kind of interesting. So I'm guessing he is a candidate for them, and I'm not sure if he actually, if in a, the parliament, the parlance of uh, parliamentary democracy in ours too, is like if he actually has a riding to run in yet or not. That's, I guess, a question mark there, and I'm not sure if they're proportional in Japan as well, because you know how some There's proportional a- ones, I guess, they can run but not be in a riding and stuff like that. If there's a hybrid gets- system for the lower house, I remember back in October that was there was a hybrid system in place so i think yeah there were a set number of seats in various ridings or whatever it was and then the remaining seats would be filled based on proportional representation popular vote so ultimately the numbers added up for the ldp they maintained power in the lower house we'll see what happens here i guess the interesting thing is uh given ken akamatsu's uh history and his discussion on uh, censorship and freedom of expression, I guess, in uh, Japanese pop culture and manga especially and stuff like that, that I guess it's not too far reaching to think he would obviously maybe throw his uh, hand in the ring, maybe thinking that he can maybe make some positive change and stuff like that. And I think you said, Mike, there was another LDP member that it's been They've been doing the drum beats again on this about soft power and about certain things in his area. So maybe that's a part of it. To but it isn't just any other- whether he's effective is another thing altogether. Because in Japanese politics, he's a young guy, and they're probably just going to say, "Okay, you better be voting the way we want you to vote." The yeah, well, there, there be- is a set system, a patriarchal, obviously. Yeah, and it isn't just to be prime minister in what. 30 years or something like that. Well, keep in mind... I'll become um, a minister in 30 years, and maybe you might have a chance at having your pet project listened to. Well, keep in mind the age difference. Ken Akamatsu is what? A 50-something? 50-something? 50 yeah, early 50s. He's Fumio Kishida. And that's the LDP member I was referring to, by the way. Because when he was elected, um, that's the prime minister. When he was elected, he he stated uh, he would... he would try to help out the soft power industries in in Japan, i.e. anime and manga and and other pop culture stuff. So this is an interesting development in light of what, at least uh, what's been highlighted to anime fans concerning the uh, new prime minister. Kishida, for reference, is uh, 
her references in his early, I think early to mid sixties. If uh, my math is right here. And Which anyway, probably young for a Japanese prime minister. Yeah, he's 61, said, it'll yeah. be nice. At least if Akamatsu does go the full way and somehow is elected and stuff like that, it's just, as we say, another voice that maybe could help them shed light and stuff like that on certain issues and stuff like that. But you never know how it's going to play out because you have to actually run the full gamut of a majority to get those changes through. And then as we know through committees and that, things can change in a hurry, right? Mm-hmm. So where, where do we go? What do we say about uh, Akamatsu here? Because as we said, as you mentioned, uh, James, he's been so active on various fronts, censorship. Uh, I mean, last year he had that talk about foreign language dubs and race. Oh boy, did he. May have, uh, may have rattled a few people on that one. And I think it came from a Japanese-centric um, thought process and stuff like that, whether we agree with it or not, unfortunately. And in regards to freedom of expression and stuff like that, I think some of that was in relation to um, the illicit market, obviously, uh, for manga-like scans and stuff like that online. Because as we were talking about, Mike, remember uh, that he started in 2008, his uh, own service, like J. Kami Digital Manga, where he put some of his manga up uh, and some others as he went along. And I guess by 2010, they had a beta test and they had 14 volumes of Love Hina on that. And supposedly that was with some advertising and no DRM, which is kind of crazy to think. And so I'm not sure how the viability and business model uh, turned out on that because I guess we never heard anything, and I know we talked about it in version one, so I'm intrigued to see how that played out. And I know we were looking it up, and in 2011, they said they did a foreign language and an English language beta test, but I can't remember how that turned out for that. But probably they wouldn't be doing anything right now, because obviously we have different services now that are doing streaming uh, digital manga and stuff like that. Yeah, um, Jcomi's apparently still around. It's under it's known under another name now, uh, Manga Z or Manga Toshan uh, Toshokan Z. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, if it's more Japanese oriented and stuff like that, because probably as we know, other people took up the mantle uh, for English language, and we know about Shueisha and Shugakukan and Jump and stuff like that. How they've started to now go full force uh, with their uh, push in legal uh, digital distribution of manga and stuff like that in all languages. Yeah, it's just it, it, this was a, the Jcomi project has just sounded indus- interesting at it from the outset because it what it focused on stuff that was long out of print, doujinji, and going DRM which was in at the time kind of kind of interesting not, I'm not, I'll stop sort of saying revolutionary but it was it was an interesting point and in the process since it was all out of print stuff it didn't pose that type of threat to established publishers so uh, the wiki would always refer to it as not necessarily in competition with how much has changed uh, in the decades since, especially since there really isn't an English equivalent. 
it's it's unknown to at least non-Japanese speakers. At least I, I at least or at least at the very least I can't say I I'd know much more. And you two, you and um James and Kevin would probably have a better sense of it and doesn't sound like um you would uh, either of you would uh, would totally know either. Yeah, like we wouldn't know too much, but the playing field over a decade has changed so much because it's kind of similar to anime streaming and stuff like that when it was kind of in its infancy back then and now it's become into the powerhouse and stuff like that but then it's not like it squishes piracy out entirely and stuff like that because some well, that's, people uh, are that's, just that's sort of like going after COVID at this stage it's kind of an impossible thing as Kevin was saying I know he's like uh you have these crazy people that are supposedly quote unquote trying to beat uh, the actual real releases by translating it before and other things like that, which is kind of nuts. And I'm sure they'll be having those discussions uh, with Ken Akamatsu when they talk about, because I'm sure he would have some interesting insights onto copyright and onto uh, piracy and stuff like that. So I'm sure that encompasses freedom of expression and stuff like that too. So I said, he's just so he's just so charged on these type of issues. So guy's intelligent. Comes across as a pretty intelligent guy. Just we it's just I, I think about him and then think about his works and how it's evolved. I, I, I mean I I only really know Love Hina and a little bit of Negima. And um and AI love you. But I'm not familiar with his most recent work. You forgot uh it's Sudate, my Santa there, uh, Mike. The Christmas okay, well, anime it, that it, we all deserve. It's forgotten for a reason. <laughs> anyway, but no, he also, remember, he kept on doing Negumi, which is kind of funny because he had the spinoff UQ uh, holder as well. So he's still been doing a lot of different things over the years. Well, I know. UQ holder is now actually considered a sequel to Negumi now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, okay, it's, I guess I'm, I'm off base. Wow, that shows you how long it's been. I need to my Santa. Oh, I still need to read UQ Holder, but it's getting pretty long now. Well, bunch I mean, of- yeah, well it finished, right? No, no, it's still, the manga's still going on. I think it's it, like, still going? Yeah, the, the anime was only a season, I think, and it kind of just petered out. <laughs> okay, I thought it was about to end. But okay. I mean, I, as I said, I, I never... No, actually, no, you're right. Uh, it did end. Oh, it did? I thought it did. I thought it was set to end anyway. No, it, it switched over from Shonen to something else, right? No, it's ending It's ending in February, because back Ooh. in the summer, there was a news article saying how uh, it'll end in nine chapters. But because it's monthly, so it'll mean it'll end. It's, it's imminently going to end. And hopefully okay. it's not going to end like the original Negima did, where it kind of just ended on a cliffhanger of sorts. But I know there were some circumstances behind why he had to cut off serialization at that time. Hmm. Anything you... What, what do you remember of it? Oh, I think it was actually related to some of the like stuff we're talking about now when it comes to like distribution i don't know i have to look it up mm. yeah, yeah, it might be worth... <clears throat> okay, yeah the, the news is fresh and i admit i didn't really do too much background on this one <laughs> well i can't say i do background on most things 
Uh, this one is intriguing, to say the least. So I so I want to learn a little bit more about what he the stuff he has done as a bit of an advocate for the industry. And I guess it's kind of the thing that you could probably count on one hand, probably how many manga creators decide, hey, I I think I'm going to run for politics or something like that. But if there was one you would think would do it, it probably would be. Uh, Ken Akamatsu and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing. He like over time, it's just the way he's presented himself and talked about things. Yeah, you, maybe this was a, there was a certain inevitability about this piece of news. And yeah, it's he'll probably look at many different things related to soft power. And as you said, they're looking at that again. He would be a good fit for that. And he talks about freedom of expression and stuff like that. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because as we've talked about some of them definitely want that but then how are they going to go about that are they going to cloud over or put the curtain behind the stuff they don't want the rest of the world to see and we've seen that not just in manga and anime but in other places and stuff like that where they're like okay we'd rather you guys not go to these host clubs whether female or male and stuff like that where they don't allow foreigners or certain other uh, parts of Japanese uh, society right so it's a it's a tough one we, we this is like one of those you know long-running discussions right it's just mm-hmm. another angle so and well first of all uh, just reading that he intends to run i don't think he's received a full nomination yet at least that's what i'm reading looking at this article like that's There's- what it sounds like that he's has the uh, blessing, I guess, of the LDP. It's a question of, does he have a seat? And as we said, is it in an actual writing or is it in a proportional uh, type oh, of okay. situation? Yeah. Well, it isn't just that. It's just, it sounds like there's still a lot to go before we actually see his name on the ballot. And the other thing is, as well, you never know with these things with politics where they say they do the vetting and stuff like that. And somehow a politician gets through uh, the net, so to speak, and then they find out their dirty laundry and they're like, cut the cord, so to speak. We've seen it well, no, too many well, times, right, in the last election. We saw it yeah, quite a bit here. Yeah. Happens, I'm sure, all the time in the States. So, right pa- well, it's like a right of passage for politicians, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just don't forget to um, clear out the skeletons folks yeah, well, all I can stuff. say is if they've read all of Akamatsu's manga and they're fine with that then I guess they'll be okay oh I'm pretty sure they haven't and then you know it might become a thing <laughs> they'll finally uh, get around to uh, my Santa and then it's like hmm I'm not sure I think I found <laughs> it where do you look uh, found what uh, let's see his, his exclusive contract with Kodansha had come to an end, culminating with Akamatsu Sensei having all of his manga shipped from Kodansha to his home. Uh, he was also... Let's see. Another thing that occupied most of Ken's time, at least on Twitter, is his fight against publishers, which including Kodansha, in trying to impose a new law by creating neighboring copyright for people who are not the creator but has a hand in helping the creation of the work gets automatic rights meaning that editors researchers printers or plain speaking a power grab by the publishers to take the rights away from the author where, where was this mentioned this is in the astro nerd boy blog 
Okay. Well, um, I've seen his name around on like a couple of forums, so I do recognize the writer. I mean, send the link. Okay. I'm curious. I'm curious to read uh, read that through. But we've but that adds to another layer of that discussion about how sometimes fandom is quite okay to take the rights away from a creator, if only because it, they want the direction of a of the of an intellectual property they created to go somewhere else or continue. If that wasn't the um, necessarily the intention of the creator, right? Which which is a very very you know. I've said a I we I've said in the past that sounds like a very dickish thing to want, but it sounds like there's some some possibilities that uh, well it could happen. There could be instances where that could happen, but maybe that's another discussion altogether. So I said Kanakamatsu running in politics. How many um? Manga creators can really say that, or maybe uh, any sort, any uh, creators. Can you think of? Can you think of uh, of such a such a person anywhere else in the world? Pretty sure somebody could. Okay, I was thinking uh, back to Jesse Ventura. I remember when he oh, uh, yes. became when he uh, Minnesota governor, and that's, mm-hmm. I don't know why that's coming to mind, but just in a pop culture sense. Pop culture sense. George Clooney, of course, is is notorious for being very politically active too, and I think his father Nick ran for office in some form. But uh, I don't know. I've, it's all blurry right now, and frankly, I'd have to look that one up. Uh, thanks for the link, Kevin. Okay, but interesting story. Let's see where it goes for him. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll hear more uh, as to whether or not he ends up on the ballot, and then if he ends up on the ballot, how would he ends up doing next summer? And uh, let's revisit some of the other stuff concerning Nakamatsu and his uh, his beliefs, because those are part of other angles on topics we've talked about throughout the pandemic series. Which me- which means I found another segue, Mo. So from there, let's, well, talk about the continuation of the pandemic series, because frankly speaking, it's going to continue as we do a COVID update. Don't know how it is in your part of the world, folks, but um, yeah, Omicron is taking hold pretty nicely. I I believe it's pronounced Unicron. Are you purposely trying to piss Jeff off? I'm not here, for starters, right? (laughs) Are you going to call Jeff there, Mo, just to leave that message and see what he sends back? (laughs) Next episode, Jeff, next episode. We have at least one more before the uh, end of 2021. And then we talked about, Mike, of course, uh, Anime NYC and supposedly uh, the fellow from Minnesota is being very helpful. So that's going to be a big one in them tracking and seeing how this is going to spread. So that's kind I'm, of a I'm, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of all the late night shows um, making jokes about this guy. Like, the dude just wants a convention, man. Leave him alone. He seems to be uh, at least he's uh, stepped forward and is not hiding. That's yeah. I mean, you know, he's 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 fully vaxxed. He's cooperating. He's he's the ideal citizen. You know, he went to a convention and you guys are shitting on him. Come on. 
Anyway, on the topic of infections, and now let's go into the numbers, the numbers just skyrocketed, at least in uh, Ontario over the last week. And by all accounts, uh, that's consistent with a lot of other places. So as mentioned, everything got four figures early in the week. We got over 2,000 in the middle of the week. And then over the last two days, number of positive tests in Ontario have consistently gotten over 3K. Keep those donations coming, folks. So we're over 3,000 cases and no sense that it's going to get any better. It's probably going to go up quite a bit. So there's been a lot, and a lot of those are breakthrough cases, but obviously when you hear these numbers, and if Jeff was here, he'll probably stress this point again. There's always more to the numbers. Always look at, okay, how many are in hospital? How many are in ICU? How many are dying here? And they're not that bad. But I think there's this feeling that we might be being lulled into a false sense of security over it because of that. But at least here in Ontario, there seems to be a take no chances attitude, or at least we're starting to come to that. Capacity limits in most public spaces have been brought back, it's culminated in something like a 50% capacities. Basically across the board, including large sporting events, as we're taping this, the Toronto Raptors were able to handle the uh, uh, shorthanded Golden State Warriors. Frankly, both of them were shorthanded in many different ways. And they played to a 50% house. So I think that's just over 9,000, somewhere between nine and 10,000. It's over 9,000! And then the super fan, remember, uh, yeah, he's been away. couldn't even attend because he That's, happened to be at Masai Ujiri's uh, Giants of Africa thing. And, and that so was out of the street. It's kind of crazy how that happens. But given your update, it's, uh, as you said, Mike, not surprising. Some of it is the take no chances because remember, it's the holiday season. So people would become more lax. They would start uh, mingling with different people and it's the transmissibility and stuff like that. So that's where the big factor comes in and then the variant. So those two factors mean we have to take a more serious approach. And then I'm sure, uh, as you were probably going to allude to in future, we're now all going to fight for boosters, it seems. Yeah. And on top of that, the cohort for um, third shots, the booster shots, will fully open up for people under 18. It's coming Monday. Over 18. No, over 18. Uh, over yeah, 18. Sorry. It was the yeah. under, uh, what's it? Uh, the under 13 is the, or the under, whatever, they started to yeah, get that, their first shots said, for the younger yes. kids. And that's what I meant to say. But it, it's always, it's basically with the caveat that anybody, anybody who will um, schedule uh, for that third shot will would have had to ha- have their second shot six months before. Six months is the uh, is the time frame. So I think for, um, speaking on a personal level, my six months is, is will be coming up within the next couple of days. I think for, for everybody else, it's still coming up pretty soon too. Yeah. I'm January so, 2nd. Mm-hmm. I think I'm somewhere in January as well. 
Yeah. I thought they said they were changing that a bit, that to, you could do it a bit months. sooner and stuff like that. So some people, because they're just coming up, they could still uh, get it if they wanted a tiny bit earlier. As if uh, you're in the there's, a few other, there's a few other uh, caveats as to whether or not you got your initial shots were also AZ, right? But uh, yeah, it's this is uh, getting a little messy again and a little heady. And it's affecting everything. It sucks that we have to bring it up for a good couple minutes in this episode but this is the world right now so we have to at least acknowledge it and really all that it does for this podcast is confirm that the pandemic series will continue well into 2022 so at the very least we hope we can at least uh entertain you in the middle of whatever uh whatever stuff you enjoy watching I'm glad I didn't do any vacations recently that required an airplane. Because now you have you all these, thinking? you have all these new restrictions now. Oh yeah, flying. well, yeah they 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 brought back the quarantine and PCR uh, PCR requirements. Yeah, well. I I didn't want to deal with the possibility of needing to do that kind of stuff. So I was mm-hmm. thinking, nope, no vacation for me right now. And I know Mo, you were you've made a couple of border visits, and I I did. I I will say I was I was I was pleasantly surprised when I got my randomly selected COVID test at the border. I was also pleasantly surprised that I was in a car with four people, and only two of us got tests because that's how testing works. I was going to say if you were in a plane and stuff like that, I've heard some people that have been on planes that not everyone is wearing their masks probably as they should be because. You're basically in a metal tube with a lot of people for a certain number of hours sometimes, and you never know what's going to happen, right? It's the same thing with movie theaters. It's like, you know, 500 people in a packed IMAX screening, you know, (laughs) shoulder to shoulder. So was there a full house? Because I know they started to come forward, and then they kind of said, oh, we'll allow everyone to be in there if they are fully vaccinated and stuff like that as long as the facility is under the 50% which is kind of I don't know interesting so, uh, people are always wor- looking for workarounds anyway mm-hmm. and those are those are well publicized Mohammed answer this question for me yes how many times have you seen Spider-Man uh, let's see more than zero less than infinity could you reenact the movie all right, so so what had happened was wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Some of us are actually interested in seeing it. They'll they'll they'll, they'll settle for something online. Uh, that could be what we're reduced to at a point. I, I will say um, the <laughs> the I don't know how if you have if you guys haven't seen the movie and you try to go in like spoiler free. I feel like that cat's gonna be out of the bag by the end of this weekend. I don't think there's any any news organization that's gonna. Keep that spoilers intact for people much longer. Uh, just, uh, just, uh, just, just like uh, Ca- Cowboy Bebop, and this is the first mention we've made of Cowboy Bebop this episode. Stay away from Twitter. <laughs> yes, exactly, and YouTube sometimes too. It's actually funny the the number of people who were just straight up pirating the movie in the theater with their phones out. The number of like flashes I saw. It's just. You know, like, come on, guys. <laughs> and they have those warnings at the beginning of the movie for that and for spoilers now. People usually are, like, a little more, you know, they don't do that. But, like, certain scenes will come up and they're like, oh, 
half the audience will whip out their phones thinking that it's just like a thing to do. I'm like, no, you're in a movie theater for crying out loud. Why would you want to rewatch it in such like in such a small screen? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Maybe they all have iPhone uh, 13s and have the best quality they can get. (laughs) Even then, oh. I was thinking, you had me thinking of two scenes, or two scenes from various television shows. One was The Simpsons when uh, Homer was telling one of his flashback stories about how he and Marge started dating. And And he talks about coming out of uh, seeing Empire Strikes Back and blowing to everybody in the line the Luke, I'm your father bit to everybody standing in line waiting to watch the movie. And then there's this episode of Seinfeld where Seinfeld didn't realize he was associating with somebody who liked to uh, tape, you know, be in the theater with a camcorder. How many are you old enough to remember those things? To uh, try and tape a movie during a, a premiere and apparently it's uh, at the time it was quite an art form in the 90s well yeah i mean camcorders were the size of briefcases right yeah to, to be able to sneak it in and just get the framing right uh, it, apparently it, it was an art form back then anyway but there's uh there's some thoughts and yeah, something tells me it's about to get a little messy and just in time for Christmas too. Wow. And you know, and you think you think the panic buying would it would typically happen on December 24th? No, I think it started today because So you're saying there's no more toilet paper, Mike? They've done it again. Yeah, that's a good question actually. But the thing is uh, stores are stores are set to go 50% capacity beginning Sunday, I believe. Yeah, that's why I figured even with the snow we got today, they probably still packed those stores, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I I was pretty much uh, stayed in all day, but I'd seen the the snow out my window. Okay. Actually, before we leave, though, Mike, I will say uh, you might have heard, uh, Mo, but at least you know Cineplex won't be closing anytime soon. You heard uh, they won their judgment against uh, that UK... uh, Movie, uh, Cineworld, Cineworld, yeah, Cineworld. That supposedly they said you got cold feet on the deal because of COVID, just because of that, you can't uh go after them and stuff like that. So, I guess they got a bit of a cushion of money, so to speak. I I was personally, I've never heard anything like that. So, I was personally looking forward to Cineworld taking over Cineplex pre-COVID because Cineworld has this uh, pretty awesome unlimited movie deal. Uh, they're like in the UK and stuff. But uh, yeah, that collapsed. And you know now we're just going to be with Cineplex forever. Yeah, it would have been intriguing. And I know Cineworld had already made inroads in the US too, I think. Yep. What was, it? Was, there a link, uh, was there a link to AMC in all of this? Uh, uh, that- I don't think so. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that that's another piece of uh, interesting news to have come out over the last week. And obviously with Cineplex dabbling a little bit in some anime features, yeah, like not, not to say that's earth-shattering, but... Yeah, they were definitely uh, doing stuff online with uh, renting movies for their online uh, thing. And then, of course, they were trying to do, remember, before COVID... Some of those, I guess, smaller scale 
event type places and stuff like that. I forget what they called them, but it's like you had bars, arcades, and I guess oh, like like rec rooms, right? hmm? like rec rooms, or Not I really guess rec something rooms. like that. But I, I guess kind of that plan right? has been put in its uh, place by COVID too, unfortunately. Yeah, you had you. I mean, you had the rec rooms, you had Palladiums. Those were Cineplex run brands. Yeah. Oh, and they've updated their scene program to scene plus. Okay, what's the big difference? What's there? the difference? They added a plus. Because apparently they're adding pluses to everything. Oh, man. I was, was going to say, Paramount just like plus. Paramount and Disney, Apple right? TV plus. Exactly. TV plus. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to see what Netflix plus will look like. Okay. That's with games, Mike. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, from, as I said, we're, we had to get a little somber and a little bit muted and we kind of i feel we have to for just a little bit longer this evening so there has been some tragic news in the uh japanese entertainment business this isn't just anime but it is it's very japanese entertainment oriented um sayaka kanda who to anime fans, she was in Sword Art on Online. I know that one right away. Any others? Any other um, noteworthy anime titles that uh, anyone anyone can remember off the top of their head? I think For she me? also did sing some songs too, right? To, yeah, she, as she a was, part of yeah, she, uh, trust. she was in I believe. Yeah, that's right. And uh, she was involved in some music with uh, with Macross, I believe. Yeah, like uh, Danganronpa Three. I know was one. So, and then some other anime and stuff like that. But I think Danganronpa. Actually, that was the anime, not the game. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, probably more internationally, she's the Japanese voice of Anna in Frozen. 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 Yeah. So. So. Um, Sa um, Sayaka Kanda was found um, unconscious at a hotel in Sapporo and was declared, uh, declared dead in hospital not too long after. So um, she was 35 years old, came from good pedigree. I think we, we don't have uh, um, anybody who keeps up with the uh, Japanese entertainment world will recognize her parents. But this is, um, yeah, there, yeah, sus uh, suicide is being um, suspected here. For me, she was uh, Teresa from Space Battleship Yamato twenty two hundred two. You've mentioned being a big fan of that, so she, I mean, this is she's she sounds like a very multi talented woman. Like just reading her, reading her credits. Reading uh, what she, uh, the stuff she was, and I doing. believe I guess she was doing stage work too because her recent what she was working on now was My Fair Lady in Sapporo where she was and that was uh, stage musical. Yeah, so you know, music, film, TV, anime or animated films, stage. This is uh, quite the resume. I'm looking at here. So once again, she was 35 years old. Um, yeah, this is uh, this this is kind of one of those uh, 
take your breath away type type uh, pieces of news. So, but we have to we had to at least acknowledge it, considering um all the all the other shit that's going on these days. This is just another to add to that to that um, pile, and it's a really shitty pile. Let's be honest. So um, Sayaka Kanda gone at age 35. And we do, and on that note, we do have a bit of a follow-up here as well. Um, we talked last year about Hannah Kimura, the, uh, the female pro wrestler who um, was on, on the popular Terrace House reality show that Netflix had, which was also on Fuji TV. There is a follow-up to that. And obviously, if you remember the story, she um, she took her own life back, I believe, in May last year, following some uh, some cyberbullying incidents after her appearances on um, Terrace House. The follow up is her mother has announced intentions to sue Uji TV over. Um, or over how she was handled on that show. As part of the case, she's trying to get some, any raw footage from the taping of Terrace House. To this point, the production companies, I, think, I don't know if it's necessarily Fuji themselves, but at least another production company, they have uh, announced intentions to appeal that because they have been ordered to turn in any unedited footage, any unedited taping they had for of it. Comes back to the narrative that uh, the... Producers on purpose tried to make her look bad because um, one of the key moments for um, for Kimura was uh, when she got really upset at another housemate over some uh, over some incidences and uh, the handling of certain certain parts of her um, her belongings. And the person she apparently screamed at, or she did scream at, has uh, apparently said. Some of this was staged. So they're trying to get to the bottom of this. And obviously, um, Kyoko Kimura is looking for some compensation. Since obviously she squarely blames everything that happened to her daughter on, on their handling. So there's the latest in that story. It's a, this, when we talked about this a year ago, this, this, like, this was as as the uh, pandemic really started to take its uh, take its grip and we start to really see the scope of the um, issue that we were facing at the time. So this is kind of one of those reflective moments. And remember it happened at the same, the same week that um, Zach Birchie passed away as well. So it's a little bit um, sad that we had to bring up these two stories for reference it's also of note as well. This story has always has always been on the mind of pro wrestling fans. So I know that uh, many of them have kept up with this. Like, and it isn't just in Japan, but here, but here in North America as well. So Kimura had a lot of fans here and a lot of support within the pro wrestling community. So there's little doubt. They're showing that support for um, Kyoko Kimura as well, who, by the way, is a former pro wrestler in her own right. 
Hannah just followed in her footsteps. So um, with having mentioned all of that, just a maybe once in a while, maybe it's good that we uh, do a public service as well. So if any listeners out there are you uh, are in or know somebody who is in trouble in those type of forms, we encourage you to look for help. In Canada, the, uh, the Canadian Suicide Prevention Line, one 456 4566 In the U.S., the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Those are easily, easy res- resources you can talk to for with pros, or just seek out any form of help. Seek out a friend. If if you're comfortable even just uh, trying to talk to somebody and comfortable talking the stuff you like to talk about with us, great. But anything uh, anything to help. So uh, look for it, okay? All right, we're done with the depressing stuff, guys. Well, we did mention at the end of episode 55 last week, we would be keeping tabs on the discotheque presentation that would happen on Monday. What what did they bill it as? I guess it they, was uh, something about uh, like a Christmas spectacular. I think something like they, that, winter spectacular. But in the end, um, they kind of lined up uh, what they're going to release. I guess for the first quarter, so February, uh, March, and April, and then they had some other announcements uh, as well. And I guess that's why they're. Uh, February uh, solicitations were delayed a bit because they did have a few announcements there. And they also said what they found in the vault uh, that uh, Echo was found in because they found a few things in that vault. They talked about Appleseed, which they mentioned before, and then uh, they uh, announced their first uh, steelbook from uh, a re-release they're going to do because they have new materials of it. And it's uh, quite the controversial one, so to speak. Oh, well, the how's it, how's top it? cover looks so nice. Oh my god! Well, if I didn't, that I think it's gonna pop on the steelbook. I think. Oh yeah, like she looks so hot on that cover, even though it's such a like trashy OVA series with it's an kind amazingly of weird, bad dub. Because What's... the first two episodes were before the bubble burst, and then it's like the third episode is after the bubble burst, so it's kind of like. Something happened <laughs> because they went off rails. Like you watch the first two episodes, and then that third episode is like, "Wow!" Hmm. And well, it was well, even well, a well. wow for manga entertainment because they rewrote the English dub because it was that. Uh, but I think Disco Tech did right by and stuff like that. That they have stuff on the disc and stuff explaining uh, what's going on. It's kind of like how you look at almost. Um, the godfather of manga, Tezuka, right? And how a lot of them do have some pages at the beginning of some of the manga saying that at this time, even though it is offensive now, right? Hmm. Well, what what makes Angel Cop so controversial? Is it because of the redoing of the dub or is there something else? No, it's it's a third episode and it's uh, anti-Semitism. Let's just put it that way. And And very violent and... Oh yeah, the one scene I but, saw there. And I, I've never seen Angel Cup. You're, yeah, you're like you definitely had the nineties like violence and uh cyberpunk and all that other stuff, but 
it definitely was that third episode and it just they go on this rant and it, it definitely was that's why they had to change it and stuff like that because it's clear anti-semitism and stuff like that but okay. uh, other than that like they did show footage and it you can tell that it looks uh, better there kevin and i think it's something that it's worth probably the upgrade if you owned uh, the old blu-ray and stuff like that and it was one of those things where they have to work with what they have sometimes as justin zafake has said so at that time that was the best they had and you never know till you find a new master right mm-hmm. yeah and that's what happened with echo so echo gave us gave us uh apple seed uh, angel cop they said they're prior some others and i think uh robert woodhead from anime ego probably found some stuff for himself uh in there too uh since uh, I know he uh, was the one that discovered and tipped them off. So you never know if there's some other treasure troves because some of them, they just put it in a desk drawer and sometimes they don't properly file those things, right? And they degrade. Well, they actually, they don't degrade in this sense because they were kind of protected and stuff like that. But yeah, it's how it goes. But they had some other uh, great stuff. uh, Okay, so what are, like, what's... Of the announcements, what stuck out to you? Well, um, James, Kevin, uh, Mo, I'd if say, you have uh, Between me and Kevin, I know probably Skullface bookseller Honda Sun, which they said they're going to release in March. That's going to be uh, a fun mm-hmm. one on Blu-ray. And the other one uh, that was on Crunchyroll that they decided to get, which I think is a nice lighthearted one, was uh, Miss Vampire Who Lives in the Neighborhood. That's going to come out in uh, February, they announced. That one, that one's kind of fun, the Miss Vampire one, because it's vampire from Europe going to Japan because she loves manga and anime and all this stuff. And she's just basically a neat and just living her anime dream while uh, getting blood and all that stuff through Amazon or online, so to speak. Hmm. But uh, the other things were um, we found out more about uh, Lupin the Third. So the funny thing they said and. We were talking about movies, right? And remember we had mentioned Lupin the Third Part 1, that dub, being uh, in movie theaters in the States in October, along with uh, two episodes of Part 6. Supposedly, in that screening, they had made mention that Discotech was going to release it, but no one mentioned it. And they said, why did no one mention this on social media? Uh-huh. So it makes you wonder what was going on, or maybe someone was just being very nice. They thought they wanted them to announce at the right time. But supposedly uh, part one, 23 episodes, uh, because it's the 50th anniversary of uh, Lupin anime, so anime specifically, um, TMS, I guess, decided because it's uh, easy enough for 23 episodes to get the cast together for the English side and dub that. And so they'll release that next year, they said, uh, probably in the spring. But uh, if you want to watch it now, supposedly uh, Sentai through High Dive said starting this Thursday, uh, they're going to be releasing, I think, two episodes or four episodes. I'm not sure how many every Thursday of the new dub. And I'm guessing oh. that's tied to them releasing part six as well. So I guess that'll be nice uh, for some people. I watched the did you guys watch the first episode of the dub on TMS's YouTube channel? When no, it was I, runway- I, I I admit I, I am having trouble keeping up these days. Yeah, no, it was it was a good one to have. Richard Epcar did a nice opening and stuff like that. Then they had the part one dub and 
it was a by the book and it was fun hearing the 70s uh, references because they were it was like a Formula One episode, so they were mentioning some Formula One stars from way back when. But the funnier thing about that series, part one, is Miyazaki and uh, his cohort, of course, now it's table, table, uh, Takahata? Uh, Takahata, yes, Takahata. They didn't come till later, remember, because I guess it wasn't doing good in the earnings, so they originally... They fired the original director, which you rarely hear about in Japanese anime. And so they went more family friendly and they set that template that I guess went through the success. But the first few episodes, it's similar to Monkey Punch's manga, where it is like if Lupin's coming to shoot a gun, he's probably going to kill you. Like there's no if, ands, or buts. Like if someone dies, they dies. But the other interesting thing was the music. It's like, it definitely gave that vibe of um, James Bond, like especially Honor Majesty's Secret Service, that the vibe it gave, and it kind of came to a head in my mind because the new James Bond movie has quite a bit of music that was from uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service. So definitely has that vibe. The other thing on Lupin, they said uh, they're going back to release a new Blu-ray of Episode Zero First Contact, and they're going to dub that. And I think that'll be a great one for people to see uh, later next year because uh, zero reads like a, like an origin story of some sort. Yeah. It's kind of a, what if story of how the Lupin gang first met. And I think it's a good uh, thing. If someone wants to check out Lupin, it would probably be a good place to uh, start and stuff like that. But they they don't watch it as much. So I I wouldn't mind, but they talked about there's, there was a lot of good stuff. Like, Moncoli Knights, they talked about that. They finally found the dub masters for that, and they're on their way to them. So that was a good thing that they finally found through their searches. They talked about uh, Tales of Fantasia, the animation on Blu-ray. They talked about not Japanese anime, but actual 90s cartoons. They're still on that, because remember, they released Mega Man, stuff like that. So big one for Jeff that I know he probably watched and probably loves Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog on SD Blu-ray, which is coming in February. Just be, in time. And Just sexy time. Robotnik and stuff like that. Not your uh, Jim Carrey Robotnik, as they say. Honestly speaking, I'm I uh, my takeaway from the Sonic release, from the Sonic announcement, check out those boxes, man. Check and out that's the similar uh, to what they boxes. did with Mega Man. Like they do that kind of faux Genesis, just like they did the faux NES for. Um, Mega Man, stuff like that. Yeah, so it's full, some great full, stuff. Not and, NES, it's full Capcom NES. Yeah, and the other thing is, as Brady said, they went and did some other extras for uh, Sonic the Hedgehog uh, Adventures because Shell Factory had done a DVD, but I think their extras will be intriguing and stuff like that, the ones they got. And I think they got the pilot too, which is kind of interesting for that one. Mm-hmm. The other thing was Street Sharks. So they got oh yeah, there's a name I forgot. Diesel commercial too, right? Uh, there's a name I completely forgot, but yeah. Oh uh, man, I can't, see. And the crazy thing is, they were saying about joking about how good it looks, and they made mention of it when they were producing it. And when I've seen the footage, I'm thinking to myself, "Holy crap! Yeah, it does look good." Because there was a lot of stuff back then that probably didn't look that great if we look back at them and stuff like that. But well, yeah, it's that's sort of it's one of those. 
okay, what ages well and what doesn't, right? But Street Sharks, yeah, SD Blu-ray, and that one kind of, I think that was like the thing, remember, where they were trying to play on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so everyone needed something like that. So even though Turtles was more 80s and stuff like that, they had different ones after, even later, because this was mid-90s for Street Sharks, but it's like dudes with dudes, and then you just see these crazy sharks running around, right? Every time I hear Street Sharks, all I can think about is Baker Mike's from Mars. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, if they're getting street sharks, might as well get biker mice from Mars, because I think both of them were playing the same uh, year time frame. Yeah, like early, early 90s, yeah, yeah. They, they've opened up a can of worms in terms of what type of requests could happen now. Like, now that they've really dived a little bit more into, into what uh, these 90s cartoons. So... That could be an inevitability. Or at the very least, it could be on the table. And I think the SD Blu-ray, as they say, opens up the possibility to do more of those type of shows and things like that. Because a lot of them probably don't have the materials to properly remaster them for Blu-ray and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's a thing these days. That's a trend. And maybe it's just, you know, the original sin of the way they were um, done in the first place, right? But yeah, no, I know they continued to talk about some other things. They talked about City Hunter. They're going to finally finish off uh, the last two TV series. So City Hunter 3 in March and then City Hunter 91 in April. And then I guess we're going to see how they do all those specials. Because there's mm -hmm. quite a few specials and movies to do with that. But with that came the thing that supposedly they have uh, Cat's Eye Blu-ray. So. That'll be a fun one to rebuy, even though I know uh, Right Stuff did a great job with that uh, DVD set. And I guess this is Justin's second time working on Cat's Eye, because remember, he worked on that, uh, was it, DVD uh, on-demand thing. For, he, uh, mentioned, he mentioned this was like one of those things. And then the last one, like there were a few others, but the last one that was kind of interesting was their last uh, announcement, too. I'm not sure if I would get it, but it's kind of intriguing where it's uh, this dinosaur, cute dinosaur adventure. Uh, are, sorry, you are uh, Imasu, and that trailer was kind of interesting. So I guess it's two theatrical films and mini TV episodes and stuff like that that are all going to be on one Blu-ray, but I guess it's this little dinosaur is born, and then this big T-Rex dinosaur-like thing looks at him, and I guess was going to use like Oh, you're my daddy, and then they go on wild uh, adventures. I guess you are Umaso. Yeah, is the name. Yeah. Yes, it was funny—not funny, but it was cute seeing like three or four people going, "Oh my god!" Well, people, <laughs> yeah, you were three or four people, people like, who, that, yeah. like knew what it was. You were keeping up with the chat, right, Kevin? Yeah, the chat was interesting. Yeah, though. that was good. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, ch chat was fun to read. It all. Most of the time, it usually is. Do you want to reserve a word for Yoamushi uh, Yo Pedal New Generation, uh, Kevin? Because I know you're... Yeah, I saw that was April, too, right? Uh, and they no, were talking about that. No real thoughts on Yoa Pedal Season 3. It's just, you know, it's nice. Uh, I, don't, I actually haven't read too much of it, to be honest. But uh, I always just find it crazy how that series has just been going on for so long. And uh, they did finally announce a season five as well. 
So, uh, I think that was on Crunchyroll, wasn't it? To, I believe to, so. Yeah. Because if yeah. it was, then I believe uh, it's another one of those ones. So they've been uh, able to get a few Crunchyroll things, whether it's Peru Crunchyroll themselves or just by themselves. So it's nice to see some of those kind of come to physical, right? Mm-hmm. And did we bring up Urusa Yatsura? I don't remember if we did. It, we didn't bring it up. Um, because that's the it last was kind of an update, wasn't it? Ah. And so for Urusa Yatsura, what they were saying was they were saying that in spring 2022, uh, movie four is going to come out. And so uh, movie one is coming the end of this month. Movie three is coming out the end of January. And they movie two is uh which was done by oshi is already out by them on blu-ray and then uh, movie four lum is forever to blu-ray spring 2022 but all of the uh yurisei yatsura movies are streaming on crunchyroll so if you want to watch them now you can watch them there and there are six movies so they did get all six it's just a oh, matter yeah, of scheduling things right yeah and they they finally are putting up on call nights too <laughs> Yeah, that they, was, that finally was found everything except for like thirty seconds yeah. of footage. Just like uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Ninja, Ninja Robots. Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Robots was the one you were thinking of, Kevin. Where they got ninety nine point nine percent, and then they talked about seconds. and they decided to dub. And it was yeah, with Brady did, and with uh, okay. yeah, they dubbed it. But yeah, that, that was all night. It seems like they also had to wait a while to get everything as well. It was just finding, they knew it was with someone, it was just finding the right person and asking the right questions. And sometimes mm-hmm. it takes longer than you think, of course. Yeah. So they ended it off uh, with wa- showing two random episodes of Ninja, Ninja Robots. Robot. And that makes you definitely, after watching those two, want to go and buy the Blu-ray, which is coming those out were, in is, um, is it January. Possible? Is it possible? Like, there's that cliche, sometimes it's so bad it's good. I kind of came away feeling that way at times. And it was interesting because it wasn't, it was done in the 90s. It wasn't by any of the regular places because supposedly the dub was done in Miami. So who knows what was going on. But they were definitely, it was very naturalistic, as they said. And it felt like they were, I don't know, like maybe they were doing some things on the fly as well because we saw the dialogue from those two episodes and they had done clips from them like we had the Shatner-esque pauses and things like that from the first episode and then we have Joe basically looking at the villains of the week and just saying you guys have some fucking problems you know what your parents should have beat the shit out of you when you were kids and they had things like that but it continues in those other episodes probably because we saw the second episode and it's like Joe on love advice, and you're just like, oh boy, oh boy, yeah, yeah. and it's just as they said, this series for the dub looks like it could make an amazing drinking game, and it just was making <laughs> you laugh so hard because uh, you just didn't know what was going to come out of their mouth next, and it was more of not when they were facing uh, the villain of the week or the story for that day. It was just the interactions between the main cast and stuff like that, where they're on the ship or stuff like that. Right. It was. Yeah. It's like between yeah. Jenny, Mike and Joe, and I guess the princess. It's... And even the first episode had that Zelda thing where it's like, please princess. It's like, or something like that. Ugh. 
Yeah, it's just, as I said, it, it, it could be so worth watching for all the wrong reasons. And the theme song, too. That theme song just gives you 90s uh, flashbacks, too. It's like, Ninja Robots, Ninja Robots. Please stop it. Anyway, but it was interesting uh, yeah, that never uh, was in uh, North America for TV and stuff like that, but it sounds like it was Cartoon Network, and so it ended up, they were going, remember, to find it. It was like Australia, South uh, East Asia, and then even Kuwait and stuff like that. So that was a yeah, tribute and, to find all of that, that that's for sure. Considering how much of an uphill climb it was, or at least they said it was, I guess it was, to get everything but 30 seconds, I'd say that I, I'm actually really impressed that they were able to pull that off the way they did. And they were searching for quality tapes and all this thing, so it was definitely yeah, quite the thing. But I think, even though the dub is kind of nuts, I think it is a selling point, and it was probably worth getting it because it probably sells them more copies, especially after watching uh, two preview episodes. That, that that that's some that just watching those episodes was great advertising. Okay, I do have one final um, takeaway though from watching that whole thing, the whole presentation. And I know Kevin's going to say that follow up on this when I say it. We'll see. There were there were a lot of Canadians in the chat. <laughs> or maybe are, are, are you saying about uh, the Q and A uh, section yeah. where they said, "Should we do the Q and A or should we go to the episodes?" And they're like, oh, "Okay." And so they did a half Let's hour. Q and A, and then went ha- and Canadian went, distributor, mm. and it's like, well, we talked to Selby, the owner, and stuff like that, but there's nothing to say. And I think, but the thing is, they the thing is, people kept. Copy pasting, spamming, spamming, spamming. Yeah, like for like a good like 10, all 15 ten of minutes. Us. Yeah, basically for a good 10, 15 minutes until they acknowledged it. And really, there's nothing new. Yeah, Selby doesn't give a shit about us. You think it's come down to that? I think some of it is like they definitely have had their things that they had distribution issues. Remember uh, before COVID, and then they had their had to get the eggs in order and stuff like that because I think what was it music land or whatever was uh, the big issue and other distributors had or people had had issues with that distributor and so they had had their own warehouse and they finally have gotten their house in order on the American side so I guess it's been getting into amazon.com right stuff and I'm not sure what other places but yeah it's hard to say what's going to happen on our end I still don't know why they can't get into amazon.ca because they used to be able to get stuff there. Remember, Kevin? And that was I, I didn't. years ago, three years I, ago or so. I didn't. I was never aware of this because I would just go through right stuff anyway and place my two hundred and fifty dollar order just so I can get free shipping. Oh, two hundred fifty US, which converts into like three hundred ish. Okay. And the thing is with Discotech, yeah, they usually give you good deals to begin with on a lot of their series and stuff like that so it's like usually if you want to get that 250 on right stuff it's like you're probably either ordering other stuff for you're uh, waiting for the christmas sale which is probably going on right now it's just when i hear that that story it has me thinking about when comic den was around and some of the issues with getting stuff during that time I, I sort of wish that Terry and Anthony were here. I just want to see what their reaction would be to hearing about all this stuff about Canadian distribution now, all these years later. And I guess with some of it, 
too, Mike, when you think about, about Discotech is they're still a small company. And when they did start and stuff like that many moons ago, it was just a few tiles in between. And now they've ramped up. And then he found those people in fandom who wanted to help him out and get these releases out the door in a quality that's phenomenal, whether it's Justin Savakis, Brady Hartel, Mike Toole, and then they found some other people at Media OCD, which is uh, Justin's company, to help bring these uh, long-forgotten titles to market. It used to be maybe one or two uh, titles every so often. It's like five titles a month now they're doing, and they're just getting things out the door. So they're going at blistering pace, to say the least. And I think they have so many balls in the air that in this case for the distribution angle it would be on the owners and stuff like that and the guys can only say so much right because they're just representing uh the owners on uh social media and uh on these streams and stuff like that as yeah, contractors and it's, it's they won't know until it's like they as they said all they can do is ask and unfortunately it's the same answer so yeah most of the time it's just funny how they make uh, constantly make the jokes about you know finishing major projects and collapsing in fetal positions and crying their eyes out. Yeah, the last one I guess was Aiko, I want to say, but I think that, I think that's where the joke came from. I think that's where Justin's joke came from. Well, no, the first one they really talked about that was um, oh, Giant Robo, and Mike loved Giant Robo and was putting everything under the sun into that. They were doing that with uh, memories and stuff like that. And then there were other ones that you they were just trying to find things and that they just remember, like you had uh, Cyborg 009, which they just sent all those tapes to Justin. And then remember Mon Coley Nights in the stream where they joked, where Justin was saying, now you know how I feel, but it isn't as bad because they sent all these thumb drives to Selby. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that was, uh, Moncoli oh, Nights are one of the series and stuff like that. And that wasn't that bad because you just had to put them in the computer and then put them up. To think, the, yeah, uh, that, uh, yeah, that was probably the one where it was... Stuff like that. It was like, oh, what, happy, 50 right? thumb drives or something? Anyway. But uh, always, as I said, uh, we mentioned, always worth the watch just to see the interaction. And then the level of technical detail they'll they'll get into is... Above me, above any uh, my grasp. And they're doing a lot of work on some of those old series to make them look better. Like they even talked mm -hmm. in Lupin about that, where they have done a lot of remastering, a lot of things to make colors and all these things look really good. And TMS obviously has noticed this and said, you know what? I think we want your copy if we ever release this again, which they probably might down the road, but later because they've already released a lot of Lupin on blu-ray over there in japan but I'm not to the quality of uh disco yeah. anyway but as i said a fun uh fun watch if you're into the old older titles and it, it really is a panel and an infomercial but yeah it, it puts a lot puts them uh, if if nothing else in very good standing with those who end up deciding to watch it yeah, it's like older and uh, niche titles and stuff like that, or if they're doing mm -hmm. a distribution thing. And, and some people I know probably didn't get all the titles they were hoping for, but some of them, uh, it's they just got to find something on the schedule and stuff like that, whether it's uh, some other uh, Lupin specials or even I know some people were hoping for um, 
the uh, oh the one they did with Crunchyroll um the Isekai one that I should remember now I'm forgetting on. Ah, uh, it's okay. Well, there's yeah, there's two there's two things. Oh, that... wonderful world! What we was should... it? Yeah, we should uh, go go ahead, Kevin. Oh, but we should. Uh, I, there are two things that were repeatedly requested that were not addressed. Uh, one was if they would put Kakashi on home video because right now it's only streaming with them, and the other was thing it that was uh, ne- more or less neglected was a Sinful Gear sequel. And I think with Sinful Gear, I'm not sure if that was with Crunchyroll too, but I know Tales. History only, so maybe hopefully that's a good sign. But as you said, sometimes it seems to take a long time, doesn't it? Well, because it well, they did say uh, Simuger sold very well, so something's tying that up somewhere. Yeah, sometimes there are these weird things, right? Whether it's contracts or whatever. Uh, there's much else for me to add. Um... Actually, you know what it was? I now remember, Mike. It was Konosuba, the Konosuba movie. <laughs> oh, so that's what I think people were hoping for since I know they've re- helped uh, Crunchyroll release the first two series so and it has been a while as I said I, I, I this is stuff that I so don't keep up with these days but anyway we're almost done tonight yeah that was a bit of a tour <laughs> Kind of a lot to go through um, this evening. Some heavy, heavy stuff. I'm glad we could talk a lot more discotech, though. And it'll be fun when they do their next, uh, next presentation, probably sometime in the first quarter of 2022. Fingers, okay, fingers couple- crossed we all make it. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, let's be optimistic, right? Yeah. Optimistic. Despite the, yeah, is, isn't, that, uh, isn't that a good thing? Sometimes it feels like it's in short supply. And we all have our moments, I'm sure. We've all had our moments over the past, oh, how long has it been? 21 months now? I, I think we're approaching 24. Well, well, yeah, we will approach 24. At some two year mark. <laughs> We're approaching the two-year mark. Yeah, I'd say it's about 21 months. Oh, boy. But I mean, look at the price. We are allowed to go to theaters from 2022. Maybe we can all go uh, see Ballet from Masoda. Uh, is it really uh, pronounced uh, ballet and not bell? Yeah, dude. Are, are you kidding? I thought it was bell. I thought it was bell. I'm not sure whether it's bell or ballet. I was just, just like, whatever. Anyway. If it's ballet, I'm going to be disappointed. Probably is bell, but I, I'm just. I, I yeah. pronounced the E when I probably shouldn't have. So, are, are, are you guys going to watch the sub or the dub for that? I think I would go like sub if we want. It, it was, depends on what you. What, what you oh, well. Depends on what you see. Right? I usually prefer to go watch uh, watch it in Japanese first, and then subsequent rewatches would usually be in English for me. Pretty good okay. English class. Yeah. No, yeah, I saw the trailer dropped uh, in the past two weeks, so it looked good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, as I said, the uh, pandemic uh, began almost uh, 21 months ago. We began... The pandemic series a couple months later. And after all that, it's just hard to believe we went through the rest of 2020 or the second half of 2020. We've gone through a, well, next week will, or next episode we do, we will have at least one more episode in the chamber for uh, 2021, episode 57. 
hard to believe we've uh, it's lasted that long. So just a reminder to you three and uh, Jeff, who I know will hear this sooner or later, have your, um, like we did last year, we're, we're going to do a round of final insults for uh, 2021. So um, have something in mind uh, when we uh, return uh, next week. This will be the final episode we do before Christmas itself. So, and as I said, we have one more episode to do right after that, which we'll do on Boxing Week. Hopefully, uh, when we do that episode, we'll look back on a couple things and try and look ahead to, to what could happen in 2022. The pandemic has uh, made for some very interesting trends. And I think James and I, I know, will probably uh, point out a couple of things that caught our attention over the last little bit that uh, became known and we'll look back on the on a little bit of 2021 of course but that's pretty much all we have for tonight wait 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 mike how are we not bringing up bleach and that it's going to be confirmed for october of next year how could we possibly not bring that up well what do you want to add we have a I guess we can we can um, bring it up. I guess well, the jump fiesta did give us. Uh, to oh, that's dinner. right. You mentioned that just before I hit the record button. Okay, yeah, that's so all. That was Bleach, and then uh, what was it? Chainsaw Man is coming uh, to anime next year, and then they talked more, I guess, about Spy and Family. So it de- it does sound like it's going to be a big uh, year in 2022 for uh, jump anime. I guess you know, not only is the Chainsaw anime going to be next year, but the next part of the Chainsaw Man manga is confirmed for next year as well. Oh boy. Oh, and they they also confirmed that MAPPA will be doing the Hell's Paradise Jigokuraku anime adaptation. So that's going to be pretty sweet, too. So, what uh, were your thoughts good. on Bleach since you said you wanted to speak on it? You know, it's. I think about it now that it actually has a date, and I'm, I'm thinking, wow, like. I, I might actually stick around and watch this, even though that last arc is a total shit show, because there's a lot of plot holes that were yeah. not resolved. Uh, those last 10 or 15 chapters were rushed. I It looks like virtually everybody is coming back cast-wise, with one or two minor exceptions. Uh new director but uh some of the other core cast from the past in a term in terms of the production side is coming back so uh, i saw that new bleach trailer that they released today uh that was pretty sweet i had a huge rush of nostalgic because they played one of the uh more iconic bleach uh insert songs during battle scenes Number one was it was nice to hear number one again after so long. You know, I'm I would say out of the big three, big three being uh, Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece. Bleach was One Piece is undeniably the best of the three in terms of quality, but uh, Bleach I would say is my sentimental favorite. It it really hit me in such a a way that I that's a little hard to describe. Like it, it had such a cool vibe to it. It like that 
I know I've talked about this in the past and in past episodes, but that first opening of Bleach is is a mood unto itself. Oh man, like I like I think I may actually watch this. You're, you you sound like you're at least looking forward to it. I think I'm more so looking forward to the discourse because I, I'm genuinely curious to see if uh, if if they're going to retcon some things towards the end. Okay. That's I guess what that'd I'm be interesting, about. yeah, because of how it kind of went out with a whimper on the manga side, how they're going to handle it on the anime side. And it's kind of a thing of, it's been so long, right? So in a, some minds, it's kind of like, Bleach is back, really? So it'll be interesting to see how that does. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very excited to see how upset some people are going to be about how it turns out. Well, we, we, we've, um, we've had a share of that anyway in the la- in the last little while. So I think we should ha- have some fascination with it and see how people will try and pick it apart. Yeah. This is sort of the theme of the last number of months. Oh, and a uh, little bit of an aside. I don't know if you read a lot of Shonen Jump lately, James, but they also confirmed the anime for Ayakashi Triangle, apparently. Because, <laughs> of course, that was going to get animated at some point or another. I, I'm so not keeping I don't. I the- don't keep up as much, but I know some people that let me know uh, these things because some of them all just watch streaming or do whatever, but that's about as far as I go and jump and stuff like that. So, yeah. so Mike, that's for the rest of us, as they say, for those odd anime series that we love. So, uh, so Mike, that's the new series from Kentaro Yabuki, who did Black Cat as well as Two Loveru. But it's gonna, it's more in the vein of Two Loveru. Those names I do remember. It's more on the vein of Two Loveru, but it's, <laughs> it's honestly a lot better than you'd expect it to be. Hmm, okay. Given, yeah, no, I heard about that. Given how it is. Gotta do the digital. Gotta do the digital. Okay. Anyway, anything else? Uh, do we have anything else to mention, or should we just close it off tonight, finally? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, one of those weeks, I guess. Once again, it is. Uh, this is our last episode before Christmas, but we have one more set before the New Year's, so just look forward to that. That's all we have for tonight. First time listening, once again, we want to hear from you. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com, at AnimeRoundtable, AnimeRoundtable.com. As always, word of mouth is always appreciated, so tell your friends about the show if you think they'll like it. Especially since, uh, aside from the regular episodes, we're probably going to do a couple of streams, a couple of uh, live videos in the very near future. And don't forget, having said all of that, to... Leave us a review wherever you're seeing this or listening to this because good reviews may help us so the algorithm can shine on us. Yes, please validate our existence by giving us a five-star review wherever it lets you do that. Throughout the pandemic series, we had been typically doing episodes once every other week, but with, uh, with the Twitch and YouTube now up and running... That's likely to change, and you'll probably see something again. Uh, we're doing episodes con- uh, on consecutive weeks already, so there might be a little bit more to come. And yeah, we've uh, f- and seemingly maybe we've reached the um, 
we figured out a few of the Facebook issues too. So, um, and I guess we're entering the video world, right, Mike? Yeah, whether we like it or not, kicking and screaming. And as I heard from Kevin, I guess me and you needed more drip uh, in our video uh, presence. As yeah, well, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Kevin will let me know about that uh, after I hit the record. Uh, after I hit the stop button. Anyway, in any event, since we're all there, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitch. Check out the Facebook group. It will probably become a page in the near future or a Twitter and Instagram so you can be notified whenever we add something new. And also, once again, we'll mention the um, playlist on Spotify since uh, it, we put up music, which in a roundabout way comes up on many of the things we talk about here. A little drip never hurts. So until next week when we finish off 2021, good night from Toronto. Eri Kurismasu. Masu.